0: Recovery Internet Radio, brought to you live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios. Thanks for joining us this Sunday. We're happy that you found us. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our host this week and every week, Mr. Rick Atwater. Oh, hi, everybody. I'm glad you could join us tonight, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy that you are listening. Um, welcome again to Recovery Internet Radio and our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Our tag tonight is the rhythms of life, and... Um, and there's a specific reason why we're using that tag, uh, which I'll get to in a minute. But thanks for joining us tonight where we are every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, and thanks to our engineer, Chris. Um, uh, our You can tweet us uh, at, uh, at Rick Atwater if you have questions or comments. And please remember to check out recoveryinternetradio.com. That's recoveryinternetradio.com. Dot com we got a little musical there, don't we? Uh First time. For all our archive shows and recovery resources. Um, So um, let me just tell you a little bit about our guest tonight, Steve Ferrone. Steve is uh, a drummer uh, and a fairly well-known drummer. Uh, He's currently working with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, He has uh, lived what I would call a couple lives. He has been an entertainer from a very early age. He opened uh, for The Who before anybody knew who The Who was. Wow, that's quite a sentence. Clever. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he's been uh, quite a sought-after drummer his whole career. He has done stints with bands uh, as diverse as uh, progressive jazz guys like Brian Auger and the Oblivion Express. Uh, he is, as I said, working with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, and he has done his time with Eric Clapton, and I think he's pretty well known for being, uh, in a band called the Average White Band in the late 70s. Very well known, uh, people. Uh, Steve's value, however, runs much deeper than drums or fame for being a drummer, he's made some pretty significant changes uh in his life in the early 90s and those changes uh and their impact on his life today are the things we want to talk about in this week's segment. Uh Steve got clean and sober at that time. So please join us this week in welcoming Mr. Steve Ferroni. Hi Steve and welcome to tonight's show. Where where this whole, where this whole thing started is you were doing a you were doing a project in Chicago and That's right. Then uh, that's where, and then you knew uh, Athena, who who happens to be also a friend of mine. So that's how I ran into you, and you know got to got to know you just a little bit. What what can it's you talk a little bit, bit about world, what you're doing but in I would,
1: Chicago?
2: It's a small world, but I wouldn't want to clean it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what were, you, it's a... what were you up to in Chicago? Well, uh, Athena's been doing a, a, a record, and uh, an old friend of mine, Sandy Toronto, has been producing her, and they uh, got some pretty good players and stuff together there, and uh, and uh, we we uh, we just cut a record. We were there for about a week and uh, cut two or three songs a day, and uh, and uh, that's been sounding pretty good. I think she's going to have a very nice record.
0: Is that what you is that is that what you guys usually do? A couple two two three songs a day.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes it well. Sometimes it goes a little faster. Sometimes it goes a little slower. It 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 just depends on how on how people work. I mean, what we were doing is that we we cut the we cut the track and we get the track and then there would be repairs little little repairs, spot repairs here and there, and then additional guitars and stuff. So I I I spend a lot of time sort of sitting around waiting for the next track to start.
1: So, gotcha. So, yeah.
2: So get the get the drums and the bass. And, Pretty much there, and then people have like make a little mistake in the chord change or something. They'll can play something a little bit better, and and so they just touch that up. So, uh, yeah. So so I mean, uh, it's very rare that we get to play um, with a group of musicians in the in the room at the same time now. uh, Is
0: that right? So that was kind of a rare. That was a little bit of a rare event for you there.
2: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, my. My uh, my band uh, is Somebody in the Heartbreakers, and we play everything uh, live like that. You know, so that's how we make our records. And uh, but um, uh, uh, most records that I that I work on, yeah, um, go in and it's just me or, or me and a bass player, maybe. You know, and uh, uh, and uh, we put down the track that way.
0: Now these guys that you were that you were with and the, the project in Chicago. This this yeah. was a bit of a rare these these were guys that you've worked with in the past or these because these were all like guys from all over the place that sort of got it was almost like a reunion type of thing for you guys.
2: Well, yeah, I mean I've I've worked with Darrell Jones I, I pretty much I've worked with Darrell Jones we, we we play a lot together in uh, in Los Angeles uh, we play with the guitarist Man uh, from uh, from, uh, from New York and uh, I see D- Darrell around on uh, recording sessions and stuff with him. Uh, um, uh, but Hamish Hamish Stewart um, we used to play together in Average White Band yeah I say and uh, and um, and uh, um, and uh, I haven't played with him in years I mean I've seen him we hang out and uh, when I go but we haven't really worked together in, in the longest time and it's really nice to sit down and and play with him again after all this
0: time now I wonder I really want it, it, it I wonder how many people in, in the listening audience that, that we have are going to know who the average white band was? It so happy well, I do, but <laughs> uh, because because I I know what your birthday is and mine's one year prior. <laughs> ah,
1: all <laughs> uh, right. yeah.
0: So, but uh, but so you're I you're a happen, tourist too. Yeah, but, yeah. But I happen <laughs> to know. Yeah. So, but I happen to know the average white band. But uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and Hamish was, and I actually got to talk to him when I was there a little bit because. It was really a treat to meet him when we when I was in the studio. What was the name yeah. of the studio, by the way? What is it? Uh, the studio? Uh, oh, um, Sandy's place.
2: Yeah. Uh, Scandal. Scandalous. Scandalous. Yeah. Scandalous yeah. studios. I Scand- love studios. that name. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, average white band. So and that was in the seventies,
2: right? That's correct. I yeah. met Sandy back in those days. Too. Was he? And, was uh,
0: he? Uh, in, he wasn't in that band, was he?
2: No, he's a, he was in a band called Night Flight,
1: and okay. uh,
2: he was managed by a man, McGee, is a good friend of mine, and uh, and he asked me to go down there and play play with the band, so down so in Florida,
0: yeah. average white band. So yeah, how long were you? How long did you play with them?
2: Uh, average white band. Uh, I'd say around ten years.
0: Is that a is that a, a pretty average lifespan for for uh,
2: for a drummer? Well, um. Um I I've played I played with, with a few bands uh, uh long periods of time so I mean, I was with Clapton Eric Clapton for about um I think maybe eight or nine years, something like that. Well,
1: that well, and that's...
2: I've been and I've been with Tom Petty for twenty years. Really? So uh, yeah. But uh, um I mean I have I have long term relationships with people that I've worked with over the years that that I've done uh, records, records. With uh, I did a record recently. Did a record with Ziggy uh, Marley, and uh, I did a record with him maybe a decade ago, and uh, and I knew his father, mm-hmm. and I know him. And on this session, he introduced me to his kids, so I know three generations of Marleys.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: that's that's something yeah. that everybody can't say. I, I don't think everybody yeah. can say that. But you know, I mean, I guess it's I guess you know. Those of us that are not, you know, uh, you know, don't know a lot about the music business, think it's think it's a lot different. But really, you get to know the people you work with. You work with them for a long time. You get to know a lot Absolutely. of people in the industry. You get to be friends. Absolutely. And uh, I guess that's the way it works, no matter what. Um, yeah. You are you smoking your cigar? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I noticed you were smoking when we were smoking your cigar when we were at the you were taking a break when we were at the studio and you 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 know
2: that's what I like to do when I relax and I kick back. They won't and let you smoke it in the studio, huh? I like am <laughs> sitting, sitting in one of my favorite places, which is my backyard, looking at my backyard and the grass and the trees, and it's very quiet and uh, and uh, and I'm just sitting there smoking a cigar. is one of my favorite things to do. Of course, all that's going to be shattered in the next few hours when my girlfriend arrives from the.
1: <laughs> then, from Russia. <laughs> from Russia.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a girlfriend. I, I have a habit of long distance relationships and so so. so I, I pick one just about as far away as I could get. This time, <laughs> she lives in Saint Petersburg. Is, uh, she lives in Saint Petersburg. Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's pretty. That's pretty far. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions about that, Steve.
2: We're gonna think we let it let that 12, go It's a twelve hour difference. <laughs> yeah. Is Is it <laughs> And so she's. I go to bed. She's getting up. She goes to bed. I'm getting up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's
0: one way to. Is that, is that a sustain? Is that a way to sustain relationships?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, relationships uh, can be can be hard. You know, uh, you know. Sort of, uh, I guess they're hard for everybody, I, particularly rough on musicians uh, because of uh, traveling and uh, uh, um, you know. And, and I guess sometimes temptation. You know, in my case. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and uh, 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 but uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, things um things have always sort of smoothing out over the years, uh, and um, I know your your program is about recovery, especially since I took that out of my life, and my life's got a lot smoother. As well.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: well, I bet it has. Yeah. I bet it has, and it's you know, yeah. it's so um, maybe that's it's a good segue into talking a little bit more about that. Can we talk a little bit? I know you you were you mentioned you were born in uh, Brighton.
2: Yes, correct. Yeah, that was, the, that was the town with the most pubs per capita uh, of any town in England. Every street corner had a pub. You could actually find your way around town by giving the names of pubs. No kidding. Now, yeah, yeah. Don't you go they, down to the bush, you turn left. You turn right, and you go to the King's Head. You know, you just <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a, that's the way it works. Now, now, see. Yeah. In in you know, I'm told that in Texas they measure distance by beers. You know, like so. Yeah, you know, if you want to go from Dallas to uh, Houston, uh, you know, it's a three beer drive or something like that. But, but that's
2: yeah, a, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, it's the same sort. Of, whoa, playing pretty low, is <laughs> he? <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 yeah, the the, the I it's the same sort of deal in Brighton. It's the same sort of deal with, uh, with you know, the pubs. Yeah. So drinking is pretty, every corner. Literally yeah. every corner is a pub,
0: and it's part of the. It's just part of the culture. It's
2: just the way it is. Yeah, and that's the way well, it, the way it was. A lot of them have closed down now. Why then? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm not really sure whether it's a, a, whether the breweries um, uh, uh, work differently, or, or uh, but they, they, uh, a lot of the uh, the pubs. The, some of the one of the pubs on my corner is now like a little uh, a little sandwich and coffee uh, coffee place
1: hmm.
2: to go in. Uh, and uh, one of the other actually, uh, my mother uh, during during the war was uh, walking. Well, it was, uh, she was walking she was out she went out to the shops for shopping and she was coming back and she was walking past this park called the level in brighton that had a had a um uh, 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 a big sort of it was a circular park with with big trees all around the outside and uh-huh. the park was in the middle and underneath the trees they had stashed uh like tanks and uh um, trucks and stuff ready to because they thought Brighton was going to be one of the places that, that the uh, if Germany was going to invade England they would come in through Brighton
1: really and,
2: uh, yeah and uh, and so they had all this stuff like stashed underneath these trees and my mother was walking past these past, past that she had to walk past that to get to her house and and um, and uh, a German fighter plane came in low over the channel and popped up without uh, alerting the radar so they had they, there were two warnings. You always hear the sirens and, yeah. and back in those days when they were overhead they they have a thing called the pits which would go off and uh they would go Pip 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 pip, pip which meant they were directly overhead. And uh, and uh, the pits went off. Uh, there wasn't even any any siren. Uh, the pits went off and this guy came down and, and decided to have a go at these trees and see if there was anything underneath there and my mother was just has happened to be walking walking across and so it was <laughs> <laughs> did he, picturesque. Did like, he like shoot the movie it up? Kind of did he actually yeah. shoot it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and my mum like it. fell down to the ground, and I guess uh, you know the 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 the, the cannon shells were, were sort of exploding all around her, and and he made his pass, and then everybody ran out of this pub and grabbed my mum and dragged her into this pub, and and that pub is now a recovery house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I made a little trip there. Yeah. I made a little trip there one day. Oh did
1: you? Did you now? Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh-huh. I told him the story. I said, you know, my mom did my mom who hit out in this uh, in this pub once, yeah.
0: Yeah. Recover- recovery yeah. in a lot in a lot of different ways. You know Yeah, yeah. In a, <laughs> yeah. In a lot of different ways. You, so were you were you from uh was your family entertainment uh, people or were No, no. No? You just- no no at-
2: uh, my, my, I come from a very working-class, middle-class, uh, lower-middle-class family. It would be considered those, I, I suppose. My fa- my grandfather was a milkman. My mother was a factory worker. My my, uh, my grandmother was a stay-at-home uh, grandmother. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. She looked after should basically.
0: Yeah, my grandfather was a milkman, too, actually. And oh,
2: really? Yes he, <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. He well, was. my grandfather was my, my the alcoholic in my family. I came to find out that he was an untreated alcoholic.
0: Well, mine was, too, actually. He got... He, he used to pick up the money on Friday and then go out drinking. Yeah. And one day he drove, he was driving across a river that was frozen. He thought, <laughs> and, yeah. and he went in the
2: river and drowned.
0: Uh, oh, that's it. well.
2: My grandfather, my grandfather had a slightly different story. He, at the end of my street there was a brewery, and he used to work in the brewery, and he would get drunk for free every day. You know, and he would come back home and he was just this drunk and. And of course, he went from being a jolly drunk to a miserable drunk, and uh, and uh, came back home. Came back home at one point and uh, gotten into an altercation with my grandmother, and decided to raise his hand to my grandmother. Mm. And my grandmother told my mother to go up the street and uh, and uh, fetch uh, uh, Uncle Ted. And Uncle Ted uh, was, was Teddy Harmon, and he was a boxing champion. Oh. <laughs> uh, Uncle Uncle Ted came down and literally beat the poo. Out of my grandfather.
1: <laughs> oh, and by the way, and, this uh, is an internet
0: radio, no FCC
2: regulations. So if you want to, use okay. It, well, beat the shit. The, <laughs> beat the shit out of my grandma. Literally, beat the, beat the shit. My dad de- beating so bad he shit expense and, um And and um, and then my grandfather quit working at the brewery and became a milkman, which was like you know going the other end. But he was the most miserable man that I ever met in my life. He was a he was a, he, he was a he um, was an, al- an alcoholic that stopped drinking, but didn't have any recovery. oh yeah.
0: The worst yeah. of all possible worlds, you know. Yes. Yeah, no relief from the from the nonsense no. in the head.
2: So he was unhappy about everything. He didn't really like anything. As a matter of fact, uh, I mean, he'd still have a beer once in a while, but you know, he could never drink to the uh, to the. Um... Actually, the one time my my uncle took him out for a drink to, to celebrate something, maybe birthday or something, he got plastered and he walked through a plate glass window. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he was, uh, and this was like 80 years when he was 80 years old. Yeah.
0: So he just couldn't. He just, he just was one of those guys that just wasn't going to be able to drink without consequences. I guess. Huh? No, no,
2: no. That's... He died. He died when he was 93. But like I say, he, he wasn't a very happy man. You know? Yeah. I mean,
1: so, uh, you,
2: you think I think the thing for me is that I hear people talking. Mm, Talking about like, well, you know, if I drink, I'm going to die. Uh, I can't drink anymore because I'm going to die. It's not really so much the, the the dying. We're all going to die. Yeah, that's not a problem. I think the problem is how you live up until the point of dying, and uh, and that can be a nightmare. I you know I was in one myself.
0: Yeah, and so do you think that that's as far as as far as you know, common with people that have alcoholism that that just stopping drinking is not not uh, that might, that's not no, a, I don't. Nice I don't solution. think it's enough.
2: I, I don't believe it's enough. I, I think uh, I, there are people that can do that,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: mm-hmm. I, I think uh, people that have an alcoholic disposition—if
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: uh, you're a heavy drinker and you, you stop, you might just get an idea about what's going on and stop drinking, and it doesn't affect you. I've seen that happen.
1: Yeah, uh, I've
2: seen it happen in families where one, one person really needs to go to a program, and then uh, then other people, other people, uh, counselling or therapy or you know, something that that would uh, uh, stabilise them mentally. Right. Uh, and other people can just stop and just walk away, just say, no, I'm not going to drink anymore." It doesn't affect them. Right. So, uh, so um, uh, even heavy drinkers, people who even got into trouble, uh, I've seen people, you know, with DWIs that, that you know, they they uh, uh, they go they go to therapy, or they go to program or. Uh, uh, they get into a program and they go and they learn stuff about it and then they say, oh, okay, well I'm not going to do that anymore and they don't.
1: Yeah. And they they
2: live they live a uh, happy normal lives. But uh, uh, alcoholics uh, um, uh, really really need to watch uh, a lot of their thinking more so than their drinking, I believe. Right.
0: Yeah. So it's so it's not ju- so alcoholism not is not just the drinking, it's the thinking.
2: Well, well I know my my thinking. It's been 20 years now I haven't had a drink and still my, my thinking can sometimes get a little crazy. But I have a program. When, it, when, it, when my thinking starts to get crazy, I, I, have a, I have things that I can do. I have a certain uh, uh, people that I call and, uh, um, uh, that, that help me uh, to get my head on straight and when i get my head on straight i usually say what was i thinking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
0: you were thinking a, maybe a different part of your body but we the yeah. radio uh, you can say what we mean but uh look yeah. can i jump back to uh, I, I know i just got to say this because i i know people would be interested you were you were playing you were playing your drums at when you were 12 years old and i know i made the Absolutely. mistake of uh saying originally that you were playing with the who you you corrected okay. me and said you were opening for the who
2: um, yeah, playing the band, that open for the Who. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, At age twelve, and then I I, yes. I, I said, would that be called a prodigy? You know, you know what I'm saying? Is that, that, <laughs> you, you, well, a musical prodigy. I mean, that's pretty young to be. Well, a, you know,
2: I, 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 as soon as I could walk, my, you know, I, I, I was a little kid sitting in a high chair, being fed, and I, and they had, we had a radio back then. There was no TV, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So there would be some music on the radio and I would start banging my spoon on the on the on the uh, on the on the high chair, uh, in time to the music and so my grandmother and my mother said, you know, we've got to do something with this kid, and So they they decided <laughs> to send me to they decided to send me to tap dancing school. And I was a very, very good tap dancer.
0: No kidding. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, I not still do it, do you? Well, not anymore. With I got this bum knee at the moment, I can't I can't do tap dance. I can probably do it on one foot.
0: <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> but uh,
2: but uh, I um uh, I was pretty good. Uh, pretty good tap dancer. I won I won some uh, festivals and uh, some medals and some cups and stuff. And uh, uh, I I took a I took a, a it was like proper classes. You know, you take classes and you could uh, take an exam to clap. Move up into a, uh, a more difficult level, you know?
0: mm-hmm. and so you moved up through that. And there's
2: that's, I all, moved up that's rapidly, all about the rhythm.
0: I moved up rapidly
2: through that. Yeah. But then you know, I got a job. I got a job uh, in, a, in a in a children's chorus in a in a summer show uh, with a with a with a very well known um, um, sort of TV personality guy in England, a guy named Max Bygraves at the time, and uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and um, he. Uh, uh, uh you know, I, I went and auditioned and got into this children's chorus and I was out there on the stage doing my thing one night and I looked down into the orchestra pit and I saw the drummer and I saw uh, he was playing the drums. And I, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I can do that, move my hands that way. You know, I learned how to move, move, use my hands and then started to add feet and I you know, could hear what the bass drum was in. I could hear rhythm mm-hmm. because I'd have hear syncopation because i have been dancing for a long time. You know, so Sure. So that's how I sort of started, sort of drifted into drums. Broke my parents' heart when I decided that I was going to stop tap dancing and be a
0: drummer. (laughs) Really, (laughs) they wanted you to stay. They wanted you to be a tap dancer.
2: Yeah, my my grandmother wanted me to be (laughs) Fred
1: Astaire.
2: Thank (laughs) God she didn't want me to be Ginger Rogers.
0: Yeah, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) What what would have happened? But you know, so how do they feel about it now? It seems like you've been reasonably successful in your drumming career.
2: Oh, right now they don't do much because they're all dead. <laughs> oh, okay, well then that. But uh, then but that you know I got you know they came my grandmother and my mother they came to concerts and they loved to singing out there on the stage. They you know, you know it's a thrill for them.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, can you yeah. like you know sort of take us you know through your a little bit through your musical career? You know you started you, you know you started to you know drum there back when you were twelve, and then what kind of what,
2: yeah, what, what happened? But, uh, well, I, I I started to jump when I was twelve. I went to when I went to school uh, uh, b- b- about around thirteen because uh, school leaving age in England was fifteen at that point. You could leave, uh, okay. or you could stay on for an extra year and get uh, what they call a Brighton School Certificate, which I uh, which I would imagine uh, you would call like a now you call it a high a high school, um, high, what, do they, what do they call diploma that maybe school, or the high school diploma, yeah, yeah. and uh, and. Uh, and the, the 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 for for the schools for for my class of people, yeah. Uh, basically, uh, you could you would become either uh, you could become either a train driver or a labour uh, 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 a plumber or electrician tradesman. Yeah. Uh, or or if you stayed on that extra year, then you would go into civil service or into the bank, work for banks or something.
0: Yeah. And that's basically what your choices were at that point.
2: Yeah, and college, you know, in mean, college never even came into it. I, I was like, who the hell are these people going to college? You
0: know, <laughs> it was, my, my, people that you. My grandmother uh, was pretty
2: good. My grandmother was a pretty good artist. She could draw. Yeah. You
1: know, and
2: uh, and uh, when she was when she was young, they wanted to put the, the teachers at her school spotted uh, her talent, wanted to put her into art school, and her parents said, No, said, well, we don't want to do that nonsense. She needs to get a job.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. So
2: she never got to, she never got to pursue it. So she kind of. She kind of like latched onto me when 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 she saw that I had a, a talent. She uh, to that, you know.
1: She
0: she wanted you to succeed there. So did you yeah. did you go did you go on or did you stop at the at the at fifteen?
2: I stopped at 15. Stop at fifteen. I stopped at fifteen because they uh, around thirteen or fourteen they started to ask you what you wanted to do when you leave, when you left school. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I want to play the drums. And they said, well, you can't do that. It's not a real job. Yeah. And I said, well, Ringo Starr does it. And they said, Well that's Ringo Star and I said, Well, I can do what he does. You know, yeah. I can do that. So then they started to like, you know, get a little bit derogatory with me and say, you know, start calling me Ringo. Hey Ringo. You know, and it was like, Oh, okay. You wanna play that? Yeah. So <laughs> so I used to box for the school, I used to play football, um, uh-huh. or soccer, as they called it in America. Yeah. How do you uh,
0: pronounce it in American? Soccer?
2: Soccer.
1: <laughs>
0: soccer. <laughs> yeah. It's football. It's football. Yeah, we got, we, we've always had that wrong, though. So, But, yeah.
2: Well, you know, you'll get it right eventually.
0: Eventually we'll get <laughs> America's, it
2: right. America's eventually. getting it right eventually. That's why yeah. I became an American, to help you understand there's a the difference between football. And football. and football
0: and soccer. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, we're right. I think
0: we're I think we're doing pretty good. World Cup wise, I mean, think about it. You know, we're up there.
2: Yeah, exactly. You're doing good. You're yeah, doing we, you're yeah, doing we, good in the playing department. Yeah, we qualify. You know. yeah. So, <laughs> well, you should. You got some amazing athletes in America. You got some amazing program athletic yeah. programs. So. Some of them are
0: some of them are but actually you know British retreads. You know, they, but right, okay, right. we're not. But anyway, you know, so. All right, so you you know you were just doing the regular thing, but when you told me, yeah, then no, I stopped. I went on
2: strike. I went actually, I went on strike. I went on strike from studying at school. I went on strike from uh, uh, everything. Yeah. Except playing.
0: Except playing. And I
2: started to play. Uh, and I uh, and I, uh, I I I used to play with little kids like my age, about twelve. Yeah. And then and then these, this this band of big kids that were like eighteen got stuck for a drummer, and there was a a little kid that was. Um, a little kid that was uh, that played that I used to play with. Mm-hmm. He had a real guitar, so he used to hang out around the music stores, you know. Yeah. And he would hang out around the bigger kids, and he overheard their conversation. And he said, "Well, listen, I know this kid that can play the drums, you know." And uh, and uh, and they said, "Well, who is he?" And they said, "Well, he's this guy Steve." you know yeah. He said, "Well, why don't you go get him, tell him to be at this place? You know, we didn't have telephones or anything in those days." Huh? Did you have? Uh, a go Did you get you him, have... Tell him, tell him, tell him to be at this place, you know.
0: Did you have a nickname?
2: No, well, I had, a, I had a number of nicknames at school. <laughs> Would you like They called me Jungle. Something? Jungle was a jungle was a nickname, and uh, Chalky they called me. It was always uh, some, always had something to do with <laughs> the opposite of me. They go, well, I, Jungle, I guess wasn't, wasn't the opposite, but it was,
0: all, all but derogatory it was, uh, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, it was all derogatory. You know, you know nothing to be taken personally. It was, yeah, it was, no, it was,
0: that's the way nicknames go. As a matter
2: of fact, I'm I, still I, friends. I'm still friends with a lot of those guys. Who, are you uh, really? Well, very, yeah, very much. So. The two of them came, uh, uh, um, Mickey and Tony, Bar- Tony Barnes and Mickey Moore came came to see me and uh, uh, play at the Albert Hall uh, um, a couple of years ago, and uh, we hung out for a minute. It was great talking about old times. And, oh,
0: I bet it was. Hey, just while I'm thinking
2: like about it, did you did you uh, know Ringo? Uh, uh, I met Ringo. I, I don't know him very well. I've met him a few times. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I have I have uh, I, I, I have I've run into him a few times. And he's uh, you know a very nice fellow. Yeah, I mean it's about know, it with George. With George actually, actually, we actually played played together once with George Harrison. That was that was yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, he showed up at the rehearsal and uh, there was another drum kit on stage that Ray Cooper used to play, and he was sort of standing out in the front of the rehearsal, and I said, hey, you, know, you come up here and. Come up and play with us. You know? Come up
0: and play a little bit. He came great. up and yeah, he
2: came up and sat behind the drum kit and started playing with us. And it was great. I you know? Got to play with two of the Beatles, half of the Beatles,
0: half <laughs> of the Beatles. That's, a, that was, yeah. that's pretty good on the resume. Not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this. You know, um, where where along the way did um, you know the the drugs and the alcohol stuff? Where did it start? In, how, you know, like what? How old were you, and what was what was happening? What
2: was the well? Thing? I think it, it started very, very sort of slowly. Like, I mean, you know, I, mean, I used to drink when I was, you know, I, I used to drink when I was underage in England. Was, everybody used to do that. Um, you know, got what, drunk and threw up a few what's times. Drinking, yeah.
1: What's
0: the drinking age in in uh, London? In in England? 18. Oh, Eighteen. Okay. So
2: yeah, yeah. But you know, there was no if you if you sort of look old enough, you walk into a pub and and. Uh, and you could say like uh, uh, you know, the, the, the barman would say, "How old are you?" He'd say eighteen. You say, "Okay, what do you want?" Yeah. Not
1: gonna,
2: <laughs> that was the really to extent. Yeah. No, I mean nobody had driver's license. Nobody had ID or anything. You know. So, they would just serve it. So yeah.
1: So so, so, um, yeah.
2: so I did that. I did that for. Uh, I did that for years, and uh, and um, uh, but nothing unusual. Um, I, I tried pot I after I went to to Europe, and somebody gave me some pot while I was working on the American bases in Europe once. And uh, I didn't really like it too much; it didn't really do too much for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, uh, um, um, but uh, that, that's not to say that I didn't smoke it again after.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> actually,
2: tried it. It was like every time I every time every time I've been drinking, and somebody gave me some pot, I get sick. Yeah, you know, and I'd have to sort of start over again with the drinking. I get really sick, it make me sick to my stomach, and 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 I never ever said no. I never ever tried to, never ever said no, no, no. I don't want any of
0: that. You didn't have you much know. of an off switch
2: then, did you? No, no. Once I once I start drinking, it's it's on, it's on.
0: <laughs> so like when you you, know. you got to start over. So if you smoke some pot and you and you and you puked. Then you gotta start then you gotta start drinking I gotta, again. I gotta start drinking again then. Because yeah. all that work to get the buzz and then, then it's so, all yeah, gone.
2: But, so now it me up I'd start get drinking again. Yeah if I could. Yeah. So, uh,
0: well I would say that's a, that's a check mark on the list right there, my friend, but yeah. You know, that's and
2: then uh, and then I worked with a uh, with a band in France. I was twenty one years old and I was working with this band. I'd actually met them in Italy and we moved to France.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um and uh one uh, the, tr- the trombone player in the band was kind of a guy he was always depressed about something. You know, he was always that miserable about something. He wasn't very happy about stuff. And one day, I went over, he used to live in a caravan. And I went over to his caravan to, to visit. And he was all happy and bright. And I said, hey, you are you in a good mood? What's up with you? And he says, oh, he said, man, his doctor gave me these pills. They're fantastic. <laughs> I said, what are they? And he said, they called on. And, uh, and, uh, I said, well, can I try one? Let me, you know, I wasn't particularly miserable, but he looked so happy. I wanted to join in, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, uh, so he gave me one and, uh, and, and it was great. I had the great, I could drink gallons of uh, I could drink, drink and drink uh, and wouldn't get sleepy or anything. Yeah. And I used, to, I used to give lessons to a dentist, uh, drum lessons, mm-hmm. uh, 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 and uh, and I, I asked him if he could get me any, and he said sure. And he just got me—he uh, got me like a whole boatload of them, you know. <laughs> and so I had my own supply, and I—I uh, I, I, I don't know if it was so much of a—I had to have them, but they—they they were there, you know. And if I wanted to use them, I'd use them. And, uh, and then—and uh, then I came to America, and uh, somebody introduced me to cocaine. Now, that was a, that was a whole different story, because. Yeah, you know, my mother had told me, you oh, don't do drugs. I didn't consider that drugs, the the the, the um the um, um uh, the captagon. I didn't consider that doing drugs. Yeah. I, I didn't think that was doing drugs. Because uh, the I
0: prescription do... you got it you got it from a dentist, so there you must be Yeah, I got
2: it from a dentist It was like something just in light and, uh, and, uh and, and 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 I didn't end up like the people that I saw that that were doing like, you know, purple hearts and stuff that would have like dried chewing gum around their mouths and stuff but, Yeah uh, it, i didn't end up like that it wasn't i wasn't out of it uh, i wasn't uh out of control you know right, yeah uh, uh, and um and then um you know i, was, I went back to england and uh, started working in england and uh, the, the thing in england was like you know to to, to go over and have a cup of tea in a joint and uh, if i had a cup of tea in a joint i would be okay uh as if i'd been drinking i had a joint i got sick you know but um yeah. So you know, that, I did that, and then I came to America, and um, you know, my mom was always like, "You know, be careful of drugs," and so "I'm not going to do any drugs, mom, Don't worry about that." And,
0: uh, was she uh, more scared about you come, the coming to America and the drugs, or was no? She wasn't. In she, didn't, she
2: didn't even think about that by then. She, yeah. she kind of forgot about it by then. <laughs> okay. but, but so so then, um, I came to America, and I was in Florida, and uh, I was working with Brian Olga, mm-hmm. and there was this guy in, a, in you know the like a party in one of the hotel rooms and there was this guy and he had this white powder and he was making these lines with the white powder and, and i kind of looked at this guy and, and you know it kind of scared me a little bit i said what what's that and he said it's cocaine now we got cocaine and my, my mom had always said to me when we went to the dentist you know when i was, was oh, i'm scared of going to the dentist she said don't worry then i'll give you some cocaine you
0: know they put it on your gums right
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, it would yeah. Uh, numb the gums. So I think when they made the injections, they put it on the gums, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and so you wouldn't feel anything. Right. And um, and uh, and um, you know, so so the guy said it's cocaine, you know, and uh, and, he, and he said Do you want some, and I said no, no, I don't want any. He said it's okay, it's not addictive.
1: <laughs> and I said, "All right,
2: <laughs> how do I do this?" And then, yeah. and then I did it, and I had a great night, and it had the same, pretty much, the same effect as what the capsidon did. You, know. and you that really sort of started you really, me off with you not really being fought, addicted, fought hard particular. not to
0: do it, didn't you? Yeah. You know. Ah, huh? you really fought hard not to do it,
2: yeah. right? Well, yeah. I mean, it didn't take much. Yeah, yeah. it's not addictive. Okay. <laughs> it like, it's not addictive, so, so it wasn't really a drug. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. It wasn't what my mom was talking about. Yeah.
0: Right. That was something. That was something else. So, Did you keep? Yeah. Th- and you talking about a Brian, while to realize when you talk when you say Brian Auger. Ta- that's that's Brian Auger. Was the the ex- Brian Auger Express was that what the band? Was Oblivion, Oblivion.
1: Oblivion Express. Oblivion
0: yeah. Express. That's what it was called.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Yeah, so
0: yeah, how long did you play with them, by the way?
2: Oh maybe three years, something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: About three years.
1: Yeah.
2: And then I started to do sessions and um and um and uh, uh, uh I, I got picked up by this uh a producer named uh oh, what was his name? oh gosh, uh oh god, good uh, oh, god god. god, 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 god. It will come to me. I'll tell. I'm terrible okay. sure, the sure names. But, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I was I was working uh, I was working uh, to play with these studio musicians in uh, in uh, London a band called Gonzales. Mhm. And uh, and um, we were playing in this club one night. Mike Vernon, that's his name. That was the
0: producer. And Mike, Mike
2: Mike. Yeah. And Mike Vernon, the producer, uh, came and, and said, "Look, I want to hire the band." to uh, uh to go and play play on a record uh, with Freddie King.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and uh and so my first experience as a studio musician was uh, playing on Freddie King's album Burglar.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And a pretty good album, pretty good stuff.
0: Yeah, pretty good stuff. What year was that?
2: Oh, I don't know, It must have been uh like uh, uh That no, was before average white band. Oh seventy three. It'd yeah. be seventy three. Yeah, it was right before I was right then. Yeah. And then um and then Mike Vernon um was producing a bag called Bloodstone. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a uh, hit natural high.
1: hmm
2: And wanted me to work with them, was doing uh they were doing a movie out here uh, in Los Angeles and I came out to work with them. And then I uh, I worked with them uh, I worked with them for, for a couple of months, uh, three, about three or four months, and
1: uh,
2: and then the average white band came to town, and I befriended them, I knew, I because knew, uh, I'd known Robbie, the, the the drummer, the original drummer, uh-huh I met him for years, I'd met him when I first went to Italy when I was 17, and uh, they came out here, and I went to hang out with them, saw them play at the Troubadour, and... And uh, Robbie said, well, "You know, the last night that you were going to be a big party, you got to come to that party, and uh, And I said, "Well, if I can i I got to work on this on that day." And uh, I think it was a Sunday, you know, or a Saturday. And uh, it was a Saturday, and I finished. Uh, a, 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 I couldn't work. I couldn't get there to the party. And the next day, I got a phone call from a guy that worked for me, uh, a guy named Terry Merchant. He called me up and he said, uh, "Hey, Robbie's dead." And I said, "What? Dead drunk?" And he said, "No, no, he's dead. Really? So what happened?" Finally, uh, he he did some heroin. He he he's he totally he doing cocaine. And he did some heroin, and uh, and he died. And well, what they didn't know about Robbie was, was that you know that this everybody else who did it at that party got sick. It was it was uh, heroin. It was cut with strychnine. Oh, it was a
0: it was a bad uh, a bad dose. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And uh, everybody got sick at the uh, at the party except for Robbie. The thing about Robbie was Robbie. I I'd, I'd known Robbie for years. He could drink. You wouldn't believe. That guy could drink a bottle of scotch and switch to a bottle of vodka, and he would never get sick. He could he could mix wine, anything, and he'd never ever get sick. But he would pass out,
1: hmm.
2: and and that's what happened. He passed out, and it stayed in his system, and it killed him. Oh, geez,
0: that yeah. is sad. Yeah, yeah that, that's sad. Was that well, the first person that you that first person that you'd come across that that had uh, that had passed away from drugs and alcohol?
2: Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so how did that affect? You know, uh, well, I mean, he was a friend. He was my friend. Yeah. And um, I went around to see the band, and and uh, you know, we we drowned our sorrows. We sat around drinking, and uh, and uh, and uh, you know, just you know, sort of so, so talking about you know, you know the band had started to get some airplay. We'd pick up the pieces, and it's like, you know, you guys can't stop now. Robbie wouldn't have wanted that, you know. And, and so he said, "Well, can you come play with us a bit?" And I said, "Well, I can do I can do little bits here and there." And I uh, ended up sort of doing half half of the 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 gig. Some of the gigs I couldn't make because I had to work with Bloodstone. And and then when I those I couldn't make, Sticks Super from uh, the Crusaders would play. And uh, and we go to to see me and Six would go down and and uh, they were they were auditioning drummers, and drummers were lined up around the block to play with the average white band and uh, they'd sit there and they'd audition all these guys and they'd say thank you and they'd get more and more depressed and then we'd go and jam a little bit and cheer everybody up and, and then they'd go to the auditioning process and and it was during that time we went down to um we went to play down at Long Beach and I went down there and played down there and yeah. it it was a really successful show, it's a great show. And I came off came the stage, and I was in the dressing room getting changed, and this little dapper fellow, this really well-dressed little fellow with a little mustache and glasses came up to me, and know, had a deep, gravelly voice, and, yeah. and he said, um, uh, you know, uh, you got to join the band. And I said, well, you know, I'd love to, but uh, you know, I'm under contract. I've got a, I got a contract with this other band, and I've got, you know, got a contractual obligation. He said, you're out of that contract, you're in the band. And he walked off and I was like, who the hell is that, you know?
1: <laughs> who the hell is that guy?
2: And uh, and they said, oh, that's Ahmet Erdogan.
1: <laughs> Say that again, what's his name?
2: It, it, it's Ahmet Erdogan. Oh, Ahmet Erdogan, Armit. chairman of Atlantic Records.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 so he got you out of the contract and plugged you in? He got me
2: out room. of that contract and I was in the band, yeah. I see. Yeah.
0: Hey, let me let me jump back to uh so you're so there's a guy you're you're in you're in uh I think you're in Florida and and the yeah. guy's making little white lines and yeah. he tells you it's not addictive and so you say fine and off you go. So what 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 happened to that? Where where did that where did that little storyline take? Well, off?
2: I mean it was like it was it was just like well, it became something to do every once in a while. I mean it wasn't like I, I, I never had that thing where I had the craving, where I had to like I had to have it, and I started spending thousands of dollars doing it. It was like it would just sort of show up every once in a while, or somebody would say, you know, you wanted some. It wasn't that expensive, you know. What
0: I'm saying? Right. So it wasn't that wasn't so, really your thing. That, that's
2: oh yeah I love that. Oh you because, did. Yeah, because the the thing I really liked about cocaine was if I was going to go and get messed up, if I was out drinking, right? If I was out drinking and I get and I started to feel like a little bit woozy, drunk, you know, like you know. right. If I found some cocaine, that would straighten me out right away, and it would allow me to drink more. Yeah, well, that's so. Cool. It would be, it would, so that's how I used it. I, I didn't have to have the cocaine, but you
0: know, but it was a you know, but I, it was
2: I, a nice I, adjunct to your
0: drinking. Yeah, well, it's kind of a miracle yeah. drug if you want to if you want to you know be a be a absolutely. alcoholic. Actually, you know, absolutely, yeah. So let me ask you this: when, uh, uh, of course, of course, Eric Clapton's fa- famous song "Cocaine," so. You know that comes to yeah. mind um but uh where where do you think uh along the way here things turn the corner from uh mm, i don't know say just being a being a heavy drinker into something that's became more problematic for you
1: where all right well
0: that
2: that, happen? <laughs> that happened with well along with the thing is along with drinking and using drugs comes a thing called unmanageability. Uh-huh, okay. uh okay. The unmanageability, the unmanageability that happens is is that, well, you know, some people they go out and they get busted three or four times drunk driving. Yeah. Uh, some people uh, get in arrested for beating up their girlfriends, this, that, and the other. Well, yeah. I got people pregnant. Oh. Okay. Somewhere along the line, people started to get pregnant. Ah,
0: I don't and, know. Uh, How don't does know. that happen anyway? I'm, no, never mind. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, you know, my wife was like a casual girlfriend, lived in Paris, and uh, I'd go and see her. she see me when she came to New York. She got pregnant. I said, okay, well, I was like 30 years old. Okay, well, come over and we'll have a racist kid. And so she came over, married her, and she came over, and we we started a family. We had another child. And unbeknownst to me, in between, in that time, in between those two children, I got somebody else pregnant. And I mm. didn't find out about that until nine years later. And that came, with, that came accompanied with a lawsuit. And then what did I do when that happened? Was that somebody I got somebody else pregnant, and I was and I had uh, I had all these lawyers chasing me and a lot of stuff going on. It was just like I was in this mess. Uh, I I never thought you know, and I was keeping a secret from my wife and uh, my ex-wife then. Right, uh, and and I and I was was responsible for my children and and uh, and and they were under threat because of all you know uh, people. People, you know, I, I work with a lot of big stars, you
1: know, yeah. and
2: uh, a, a lot of big stars that have, make a lot of money. Sure. And and I earn a, I earn a really good living, but I don't make the kind of money that they make. But when people say, oh, he works with Duran Duran, he works with Eric Clapton, he works with, the, uh, work with Average White Band," there's a big band in those days. And, sure. They uh, see the
0: uh, dollar with, signs.
2: Yeah, they see the dollar signs, and they came after me like I was a billionaire. You know,
1: and it was, it was
2: like well wait a minute this isn't this isn't the fact you know this is not what's happening and and um, so I had a lot of financial problems that were oh. you know and and the only way that I could deal with that stuff that was going on was to get drunk and when I got drunk I'd forget about it right but sooner or later as you do that and when you come to the problem's still there it hasn't been solved and it's maybe got a little bit bigger <laughs> and pretty soon what happened was there's a that those, I couldn't get enough alcohol inside of me or drugs inside of me. That I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, uh, I that I could hide from those problems anymore.
1: Yeah.
2: And so I, I, I knew some people that had got sober. Uh, that well, I didn't even know that. Well, I knew a couple of people that had got sober, and they'd gone to Alcoholics Anonymous and stuff. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that was really wasn't that attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and. Um, uh, but, I, I said, yeah, I didn't even think I was alcoholic. they were actually they were like worse drunks than I, were, you
1: know? sure. I was,
2: you know, I was and uh, and um and I said, well, you know i am you know, just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna stop, and I decided i'm gonna stop- you know I was now 40, 43 years old
1: yeah
2: and uh, I said i'm gonna stop and uh and, and just uh you know, uh, and and uh, try try life without any any booze or drugs now yeah, I was like i didn't, you know and see what happens with that you
1: know
2: and um and uh and it was then that i found out that i was alcoholic because you
1: couldn't uh, stop
2: I, uh uh well it wasn't that i couldn't stop i stopped but i started to detox
1: oh okay
2: and uh and as i was detoxing i was saying well what the hell is this you know
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, this shouldn't be flu. happening that's to me i'm waking up I'm, waking up I'm waking up yeah.
2: Well, I'm waking up in the middle of the night covered in sweat, you know, thinking, having had a dream that I'd used and, and I couldn't tell if the dream was real or not. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, I, uh, every once in a while I go to uh, to, uh, to, to rehab. So I go do uh, service work and I go to uh, uh, treatment centers and, mm-hmm. and I sit in these treatment centers and, and I go there to, to, to talk to, to people that are in there about recovery and and uh, and I sit there and I look at these people and they look like somebody somebody took a telephone book and smashed them as hard as they could in the face with a telephone book.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: uh and um and uh um I, I guess that's what I look like after three weeks, I guess that's what had happened to me.
0: <laughs> you look and, like you got uh, hit I, by a telephone book.
2: Oh, I got hit by a truck. I think, you know. <laughs> and um, and uh, I was I was really struggling. You know, I was, it was it was really a struggle. It was really d- difficult, and uh, it was it was giving me a whipping. You know, and um, it wanted uh, my alcoholism, wanted of its drugs, and wanted its booze, and I wasn't giving it to it, and yeah. and, uh, and
1: it was and beating, it
2: you. Yeah, yeah. And um, a good friend of mine uh, who lives in Austin, Texas. Um, Who'd been in recovery for four years, called me up and uh, and said to me, you know, hey, he just called up to see how I was doing, and I told him, and he said, well, why don't you go and get some help, you know? And I said, well, I don't want to go do that. I don't want to get any help. And yeah, that's that's for losers or something. Yeah, yeah. And So he said, look, you know what? He says, I'm I'm gonna get on a plane and I, I I'm gonna hop up there, hang up the phone, and he, he he hung up, I hung up the phone, and he he booked a flight and he just went and jumped on a plane and came to New York and. And uh, took me, he took me to, uh, to, a, to a place to get recovered, you know, and uh, hmm. took me to meet some people. Took you to I meet some me people.
1: people, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and I met these people and just meeting them, I felt better, you yeah.
1: <laughs> know. <laughs> I, I
2: have no idea. I have no idea how that worked. Right. I, I The only reason that I went was out of the goodness of my heart because this guy had come all the way from Austin to New York to try and help me. You know. Right.
1: So you I felt better seeing him.
2: Yeah, you know, that was good enough just seeing him, right? And talking to him, and then he took me to the space and there's all these people, and and I spoke to these other people, and I listened to these people talk, and, and I felt better. So basically, that's what sort of started me, uh, started me on my road to recovery.
0: Where and uh, you still have contact with that person?
2: He passed away two years ago. Oh. He, he passed away of uh, of cancer two years ago, and I I got to go with him. And uh and uh, and his his, uh, his advisor, the guy who works with him, uh we got to go uh uh got to go and see him in uh, in Texas and uh Before and he passed away. Yeah. yeah. And I uh, I got to go and travel to see him. So
0: well, that's so that's that's good. I like and I like the I like the, the term his advisor. I, I get that. Um Yeah. Yeah, his his advisor and and you yeah. So it sounds like he was probably one of the most. Was he in the
2: music business? Yes. His name was Stephen Bruton. Oh.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: He uh, he uh, he wrote all the music to uh, Crazy Heart. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man, and uh, I love him dearly.
0: Yeah. And uh, so, a couple other things. So, do you? How do you maintain? How do you maintain your 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 clean? You know. Your clean status. I mean, what do you, do you do? You continue to keep in touch with these si- same or similar people. What do you do?
2: Yes, I, I, I stay in touch uh, 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 with uh, groups of uh, recovering alcoholics all over the world, and uh, um, there's pretty pretty good networks to go on uh, and do you know, organize different organizations and stuff. You get to meet people, and uh, and um, and um, I, I stay in touch with them, and I and uh, and uh, I go see them and I call them up and uh, and we talk and uh, you know sometimes I meet people who uh, barely speak any english and and uh, I barely speak anything of what they're speaking and uh, I mean I, I see the French people I get along with pretty good because you know, I speak french and i speak uh, italian pretty good uh, but uh, uh you know there's a there's a i think there's a language of recovery
1: mm-hmm. amongst
2: people that that, that uh, that everybody kind of understands, you know, that people just understand. Yeah, that goes beyond
0: beyond the language.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. How do you do? You do think you, you think you handle problems differently today than you did? Uh...
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if I don't, I, I, it's easy for me to say I don't know how to handle one now. <laughs> but one, I used to be able to handle everything. Yeah. It
1: was,
2: I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell anybody that if there was something that came up, I didn't want to tell anybody. I don't know what to do now it's, it becomes a lot easier to ask for help
0: yeah that's uh yeah so in other words yeah it's okay to have problems that you don't know how to handle yeah you absolutely know, that's, a, that's a good thing what's uh what's yeah. your take on, on 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 giving back on uh is, is that something that you do and is that helpful to you how does that work
2: as often as i can yeah you know, I, I, there's a number of people in this business, uh, in my business, in the music business, uh, the, uh, because because I, I I travel a lot and I do and I do uh, um, I, you know travel all over the world, and uh, there's a lot of people that when they travel when they travel and do what I do, they they always find a, a, some kind of a difficulty in, in uh, getting to uh, uh, a, a meeting of uh, of alcoholics and. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, and uh, uh, you know, I, I I I always say to them, look, you never had a problem finding time to get to a bar, right? So why don't you just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is no excuse for that. You know, yeah. it's like, you, 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 yeah, oh, well, I got to bed late. Then you got to bed late, then get up early, set the alarm clock, get up early, make just make sure that you get there and uh, get to a meeting or pick up the phone and look at somebody, you know, talk to them on the phone. Sure. You know?
0: Well, and, and you're you're you know you're you're a pretty bright light, so you know I mean I would imagine that people that that need, that have that kind of problem or or and know that you're you know your status as a recovering person um, that they would they
2: would find you, you know. Absolutely, I mean, uh, you know, you, you sort of get guided around. You know, uh, I, I I find myself sort of getting guided. But I I walked into a. I went to my uh, uh, I went to my regular meeting that I go to here. Yeah. And uh, and um and uh, uh and then after I left that meeting I was on my way to boxing and 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 on the way to boxing there's another place where where they have meetings, you know, where these these they have these meetings and uh, and I decided, well you know, I'm gonna pop in it. Let me just pop in this meeting. And I walked in the meeting and there was a guy in there that I knew for years who just Got sober, you know. Uh-huh. He just stopped, and and he did. He does what I do. He yeah. he, he plays drums, and uh, and uh, and uh, I saw this guy, and he was kind of shocked to see me in there. And I'm like, "What are you doing here?" And then they asked me to lead the meeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so so, uh, so I got to lead the meeting, and then we got to hang out a bit afterwards. And he's been in contact, and uh, and uh, and he's uh, doing doing uh, what I do, and and uh, and it seems to be working for him too. But you know, yeah. I don't think I don't think you know. You ask me what I do, yeah. Uh, and 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 I think that the answer is I don't say well I do this and I do that and I do. I can tell you what I do do, right? Yeah. But I, I do anything. And, and the reason that I do anything is that I have to take myself by surprise sometimes.
1: You know? <laughs> uh, 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 uh,
2: the reason that I say that is that is that you know sometimes I'll be I'll be driving home, and I know where people meet. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and I and I look at my watch and I say, oh, I'm going to go to that meeting, and I just go to it, you know, right. because I got nothing else to do, and I can go there for an hour, sure. and I, so I go there for an hour, and I hang out with the people for an hour at that meeting, and I I, I try to take things to the meeting, and I try to learn things from the meeting, and uh, and um, and uh, and uh, because you know, my alcoholism took me by surprise, you know? right. And, and from what I see, it can take people by surprise, even with long-term sobriety.
1: Sure. And, and
2: uh, uh, you know, if you see somebody relapse and they've got like a year or they've got, they got maybe well, a year, it seems like a long time. If they've oh. got like a year, it's not such a long time in terms of sobriety. Right. But if, but if you see someone that's got like, you know, six months or a month or a couple of weeks or something and they relapse, it's pretty ugly. Yeah, but if you see somebody that's had like long term sobriety, 15, 16, 17, 20 years, twenty five right. years, right. thirty years, if you see them relapse, oh my god, it's ugly
1: it's because ugly. the yeah. ego
2: gets affected. Sure. It's It's so hard to come back, and I've seen it's not impossible to come back, but it's so hard. I don't want to do that. So you, you know, have to.
0: I, yeah, it sounds like you. It sounds like you're saying you know there, there's not a there's not a perfect formula for what you do. That, and you know no, you were to, you're, you're telling that story about you know just stopping at the club and, and, and or the place whatever and running into that this other drummer, yeah, you know, kind of on yeah. a whim. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's you know uh, you know you hear the phrase you know there are no coincidences you know and but, uh, that certainly it. would appear to be a coincidence. But then there's there you are, you know, right. and there you are, and you help this guy and and uh, you know so maybe it's not such a coincidence, but. And then the other thing you're saying is like you're, it almost sounds like you're saying take your you're taking your disease by surprise rather than letting it take you
2: by surprise. Absolutely proactive. <laughs> that's, uh, a
0: pretty, pro-active. that's a pretty good way to look at it. I like that.
2: You I want to keep it on its toes. I don't want to you know. <laughs> you don't want it to <laughs> it's keep you to on, toes.
0: on its toes. <laughs> I get you. Keep it. Keep no. it guessing. That's really yeah. good. Let me ask uh, you, Let me ask you one more thing, and then we're probably going to have to wrap this up but um, okay. i you know, it's it's maybe a a pretty big question, but um you know I guess the question is what have you learned about life um, from from both the music business and then also you know learned about yourself you know since you've since you've cleaned up since you've gotten sober what what what's are some of the things that you've that you've learned some of the pieces of wisdom because you know, you've been around a while, so uh, yeah. yeah, I think people will be very interested to hear what, you know some of the some of the pieces that you've gotten.
2: Well, I, I think you know one of the one of the the, the most important lessons that that I've learned in in twenty years is that, is that yeah. You know, Tom, Tom Petty wrote a song once, and in that, he had a line in there. Uh, it says most things that I worry about never happen anyway
1: you know? <laughs> and
2: and and that's a real truth most things most things that I do worry about just don't happen right uh, and then there's the other side of it where something does happen, and instead of instead of having to run to a bottle or to a drug uh because something's happening that I don't like, if I stop and wait, it usually opens up to something that I didn't expect, something mm-hmm. really wonderful that I didn't expect. So, uh, the, we none of us have any control over, it, even though, I know, probably some people out there like think they do have some control, but, um, uh, i got news to you.
1: <laughs> if you're listening,
2: you don't have any control over yeah. anything.
1: Yeah. Uh, Headline life is, news. Life is
2: yeah. you know, life is good, and it's going to remain good. There's only seemingly bad things that happen, yeah. and there's seemingly wrong things that happen. Um, uh, you know, um, one one of the one of the, the the child that was in the most contentious uh, lawsuit um I have a relationship with today
1: mhm uh-huh.
2: and uh, and she's having a, she's she's uh, she's uh, going to have my fifth grandchild any day now
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and uh, and and she's having she's having some some issues and and she called she called me and she told me the issues that she was going through and I said to her you know if you think back over the years and, and all the stuff that we've been through, you know, by rights, we shouldn't be talking now. Yeah, you know?
1: sure.
2: By rights, by rights, you know, we shouldn't be having this conversation. But, but uh, you know, we are. So you don't have to worry about what's going on now. It's going to be fine. Right. Uh, um, uh, my advice always says to me, um, you know, things aren't going to be all right. They already are all right.
1: <laughs> you know, and
2: you just have to wait yeah. and see what happens to it, and it's all going to be good. I mean, I have this relationship. You know, and I said, "Look who you're talking to." Yeah. You know, yeah. This shouldn't. This shouldn't be happening.
0: Yeah. The, the guy yeah. with whom we, we've had all these problems, and here it yeah. is. She's calling you up for advice about her problems.
2: Absolutely. And not only that, but I managed. Uh, you know, I said, you know, uh, there's a level that I have. The, the I've had the this recovery, with my recovery. That I can actually be grateful to her mother, being the way that she was, because if she hadn't have been that way, that that tenacious, uh, 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 then then I would I wouldn't never have had the need to stop drinking.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, I would never have got to that point. Yeah. So I'm I'm truly grateful for for the stuff that happened, the, the seemingly bad stuff that happened, got me to this place that I am now. Um, uh, uh, this uh, place of comfort, I suppose you call it, but um, uh, that I would never have got to. I would never have realized a lot of things if I hadn't uh, if I hadn't had that issue, that problem, so or if what, we what, out, what I now call opp- an opportunity for growth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. more will be revealed, and if we wait long enough, what we thought was a problem will be an asset.
2: Yeah, and the yeah. problem will pass. You know, the problem it, will pass. it will. It will pass. Um you know, uh, you know, In fact, it won't a, be a problem. No, it won't be a problem. It'll be a blessing. You know, if you can, if you can just uh, stick, stick well, to it.
0: That, I think that that's that's absolutely fantastic advice. And fantastic, a, a really uh, inspiring uh, thing to say and a, a story. And I, I just want to tell you that I appreciate your time and your willingness to. Uh, join us on the on the show and i think you know our uh our focus is hope and recovery and uh that's exactly what you've provided us so thank I, you
2: i i appreciate you i really appreciate the opportunity to be able to, this, uh, to, to do this as you reckon if uh if you have anybody if you hear of anybody because i know you're around around the, uh around the business a lot there and uh, i know your wife works with a lot of people if you need anybody if you ever need anybody to uh uh, that needs uh, um, uh, um, to talk to somebody. Uh, please don't hesitate to give them my number.
0: An advisor.
2: Yeah, if they need an advisor, If they need somebody who can maybe steer them in a place where they can get some help.
0: Perfect. That's what we'll do. Steve, again, thank you, and uh, I hope we'll get a chance to talk again soon.
2: Uh, yeah, man, it's terrific. Thank uh, you very much.
0: Thanks to tonight's guest, Steve Ferroni, in um, our show, The Rhythms of Life. Uh, Again, Steve, it was great uh, spending time with you. And thank you to our listeners uh, for making us a successful little underground support source for the recovering community. We'll email reminders for next week's show and, as always, try to look at things from a wide and open perspective. Remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com for all the archive shows and to sign up for our email reminder list. Uh, remember, too, we want to hear from you so we know where you are listening from. Uh, Because we are an internet radio show, we don't always know where you're from. So as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and
1: we'll see you at 8 o'clock next Sunday night.